The following sermon is by Dan Thomas, pastor and teacher at Community Church in Edwardsburg, Michigan. If you've never visited us at Community Church, we invite you to join us at 28647 US 12 West in Edwardsburg. And now, here is Pastor Dan Thomas. Father, teach us, please, this day to trust you more. Help us to know the difference between trusting more and trying harder. Uh, help us to learn uh, just to lean on your strength and your power and your completed work, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. That's some good stuff we just sang. All that stuff. Whoa. Okay. How do you feel about that? Does that make you ready to get on out of here? And go have a parfait. You know, I, I was. I want to talk a little bit about just how the Word of God is like in layers. Uh, and uh, I thought, you know, I thought about an onion, but then somebody once said that not everybody likes an onion, but everybody like a parfait. Uh, those of you who know Shrek, uh, everybody like a parfait. Ain't nobody done like a parfait. So I thought we'll go ahead and uh, and talk about parfaits here a little bit, from the idea that. I think, and, uh, you know, this is just kind of a Danism or whatever like that. I don't know if this is right or not, but I think of the Bible in layers. What I mean by that is there are places where you read in Scripture, and it's like that good stuff is right there. You know, it's just on the top. There it is. got the uh, hot fudge on the top, and, boy, it's really, I mean, I think of, for example, Psalm 23. You know, you jump into that, and you read, the Lord is my shepherd, and I just stop, and I think, I have everything I need. I shall not want. I have everything I need in Jesus. I think of the book of Philippians kind of like that. I don't know if you remember reading in the book of Philippians, but to me it's one where you read it, and I, it seems easy to understand. And you just take things and you say, oh, yeah, that's, that's awesome, casting uh, my cares upon uh, him. That's not from Philippians. I'll be all right. Uh, but, uh, but that verse is good too. But, you know, there's different levels where, you know, I read like that, and then there are other times. I think it was last Sunday morning Chris Graham came up to me and he said something about, you know, you remember the story in the Bible where this, this, and this, and I, I had no clue. You know, you have to try to get a look on your face like, yeah, I got that. Um, right, the dumb look off my face. I'm the pastor. I ought to know that story. Uh, and, uh, you know, he's asking me what it means. I was like, I can't even remember the story uh, like that. And the Bible to me is just amazing because even though I have been teaching it and studying it at a pretty heavy rate for 50 years, it is still so, uh, you know, you still get to this next thing and you say, wait a minute, I've never seen that before. That's so exciting. And it's kind of like you're digging to the bottom of the Sunday bowl. And uh, yeah, or the parfait bowl, I guess. But uh, and even as we uh, l- have been looking at the Psalms, you know, I think about how there's there's kind of some different layers, if you will, of Psalms. Um, the group of Psalms we're going to look at today, or, or one of the Psalms in there, Psalm 132, it's in a group that's called the Psalms of Ascent, which just meant that the children of Israel would sing these Psalms as they ascended to Zion. As they went up to worship the Lord, they would sing these as they went. But I looked at some of these. Uh, We're going to look at Psalm 132, but the first verse of Psalm 133 says this, Behold how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. Did you hear that? Piece of cake, right? Isn't that good? Behold how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. Uh, Psalm 134 begins, Come, bless the Lord, all your servants who stand by by night in the house of the Lord. Lift your hands in the holy place and bless the Lord. Psalm 135, praise the Lord, praise his name. Give praise, O you servants who stand in the house of the Lord and in the courts. Praise the Lord. Pretty easy stuff, right? 
Okay, but Psalm 132, I want to warn you a little bit. We're going to get out the long spoons, okay? I uh, got to get to the bottom. There is some awfully good stuff here, but it is at a little bit of a deeper level to dig into. So you got the long spoon ready to get to the bottom of the parfait, a little hot fudge down there. Why do they put it on the bottom? Never understood that. Don't like it down there. But anyway, back to the story. Uh, let it trickle down. But uh, So we are going to go ahead and take the time to read through the 18 verses of Psalm uh, 132. And I think as we do this, I think you'll see what I'm talking about. In other words, you know, sometimes you go to Scripture and you're like, oh, man, thank you, Lord. I got something that's, that's great. I'm ready to go. And sometimes you're like, eh. <laughs> okay, I read my Bible today. Uh, I think when we first read through this, this might be like that. So we're going to take the time to dig into it. But let's see. Okay. Uh, by the way, this is not a psalm written, probably not a psalm written by David. It was probably written by Solomon. But it says, uh, remember, O Lord, in David's favor, all the hardships he endured. Remember everything that he's gone through. And here's what he did, how he swore to the Lord and vowed to the mighty one of Jacob, I will not enter my house or go into my bed. I will not give sleep to my eyes or slumber to my eyelids until I find a place for the Lord, a dwelling place for the mighty one of Jacob. I don't hear any amens. Uh, behold, we heard of it in Ephraim. <laughs> that place, which, by the way, some of your Bibles might say Bethlehem. That was the Hebrew name for, for Bethlehem there. And the it that he's talking about is uh, the antecedent of that is actually the Ark of the Covenant. We'll get back to that for a minute. But we heard of it in Ephrathah. What do you think? You like it? You, you for it? Okay. And we found it in the fields of Jer. Uh, let us go to his dwelling place. Let us worship at his footstool. The footstool, by the way, would be uh, what they call part of the ark where, where God would dwell there. Arise, O Lord, and go to your resting place, you and the ark of your might. Let your priests be clothed with righteousness, and let your saints shout for joy. For the sake of your servant David, do not turn away the face of your anointed one. Now then, verse, uh, we pick it up here in verse number 11, the Lord swore to David an oath. Okay, back in verse number 2, it says, David says, I'm not going to rest until this happens. And now the Lord's going to swear an oath to David, from which he will not turn back. One of the sons of your body I will set on your throne. If your sons keep my covenant and my testimonies, that I shall teach them. Uh, their sons also for, forever... Their sons also forever shall sit on your throne. For the Lord has chosen Zion and has desired it for his dwelling place. This is my resting place forever. Here I will dwell, for I have desired it. I will abundantly bless her provisions. I will satisfy her poor with bread. Her priest I will close with salvation, and her saints will shout for joy. There I will make a horn to sprout for David. I have prepared a lamp. Uh, for my anointed, his enemies I will clothe with shame, and will put his, uh, uh, but his crown will shine. Now again, first read through that, you might be like, okay, where are we going with this? So we want to dig into this a little bit here, and one of the things that I think we ought to see from the very beginning is that David has this passion to take his spiritual life, the holy life, the life centered around God, and prioritize it. Because for 20 years, under the king before David, they didn't do that. In fact, the ark was missing. Okay? Under the, king, under the rule of Saul for 20 years, they didn't even know where the ark was. So when he was talking in there and he said, we heard about it in Bethlehem, uh, and then we went and we found it. 
Okay, that's what he was talking about. And if you are have ever uh, familiar with the story at all, but they actually found the ark had been like in a barn uh, out there where for 20 years. And they go out and they find it. it was in the house of, and I love this name, a guy by the name of Abinadab. That, that's a great name. I, I never understand, you know, like, you know, even like the Amish families, they always pick all the Old Testament names. You never hear Abinadab. That's a great one. Uh, I'm going with that. Next kid. Okay. Um, but uh, any, anyway, what David is saying here is there's been this spiritual void in Israel. And I love the Lord, and I don't want that spiritual void there anymore. We want to restore this. And, God, I want to build, I want your ark to come back. I want people to see this. I want them to understand. Do you remember it all about the ark, what, what was in? Anybody remember the contents of the ark? There were three things in it. Anybody remember anything? Ten commandments were in there. Manna and the Aaron's rod that budded. That's, that's correct. And we see in there the picture of God's provision. We see God's life-giving in the rod that budded. We see his law on the angels above on the ark. We see the mercy of God pictured and also the judgment of God. We see so much like that. And this was a symbol that they had in the, in the Old Testament. And he said, we got we to gotta have this. And that ark was so holy. You might remember how they had to carry it. Uh, nobody could actually touch it, but they had rings through it. And they put a pole through it. And everybody had to carry it without actually touching the ark uh, because of his holiness. And David said, we need to get this back. We need to take the spiritual stuff serious again. Okay. We need to prioritize this in our lives. Now I wrote down there, if we're going to do this, I think it is important that we take this philosophy. I am never going to accept defeat. Or in other words, this is so important that I am never going to quit on this thing. Okay, my spiritual walk with God and that of my family is so crucial that no matter what setbacks come, it's going to happen. Remember, David said, I'm not going to rest until this happens. Now, I think we know David during this time got some sleep and he went to, he went to bed. But what he was saying is, this is so important, I'm never going to quit. I'm never going to stop. This priority of the spiritual in my life has got to be there. When I was in high school, uh, I was part of Word of Life clubs. There's still Word of Life ministry, so it's been around a long time. But I remember they had these little devotional books that they gave us called Quiet Time Diaries. And that was the first time I started in my life, you know, really looking and saying, okay, I want to spend some time with the Lord each day. I want to focus on the spiritual. And I did pretty well. You'd go in each week and somebody would check off what you're doing and everything like that. I did pretty well for a while. And then I kind of died out. Uh, in college, I had a roommate, and he had a book that he worked on through called Living the Truth. And, uh, and he said, hey, I can share this with you. And he got me some, and I was working through uh, again. And I did pretty well for a while. And I have told you this before. I pro and I, I don't know exactly, but throughout the course of my life, I've probably had maybe 10 or 12 times when I was doing pretty well, and then I'd fall away, and then I'd come back in. And what I'm saying is that this is so important that if, and, and uh, thank be to God, as I've gotten older and I feel like I'm on my longest uh, spell of, hey, this is great developing my walk with God and, and growing on that. But if I fall away again, you know what I want to make sure I do? Go again. Get back up again. And I want to say that to you because I think there's a lot of people in here who've been down that road that I've been down. I was doing better for a while. I made this commitment. I made this vow to the Lord like David did. I promised him I was going to do better. And then they kind of fall away. And I want to tell you, I want to encourage you, hey, this is important enough. Just stay at it no matter what. I will not rest. Okay, I'm not going to be satisfied until we get to this place here. I will never accept defeat. The spiritual life of 
me, the spiritual life of my family is just so crucial that I never want to quit this. This has got to be something that drives me. David was a man of great energy, great passion, great drive, and, uh, and he is bound and determined that spirituality is going to be important. So with that also, let's, let's take this phrase into consideration. Let's be deliberate. Be deliberate about our spiritual life. I have a friend that uh, he had four daughters uh, no sons, just four daughters. And then when his daughter started having kids, his first nine grandchildren were all boys. Uh, it's got kind of a weird, I, th- I don't know what they have now, 13 or 15 or something like that. But the first nine were all boys. And, of course, you know, that means chaos. <laughs> uh, Running run around all over the place. But, uh, but he, uh, he, uh, he does this thing as a grandfather where he says, hey, I want to pour into my grandchildren. So with the one set of boys, I think there's four in that family, at once a month, he has uh, what they call oh, what they call Bible bros. That's the club that they form, Bible bros. And he writes up a little devotional for them, and they go through it, and they have breakfast together with bacon. They love bacon. Uh, oh, yeah, that bacon's in there, too. Somehow bacon and Bible bros or something like that. But he has this club, but he says, I'm going to do this. I'm going to be deliberate. With the other family of boys, they, they had a different philosophy. They have, a, I think they have pancakes with pop or something like that. Uh, and they get together once a month and they do that same thing. And this guy has like a detailed plan of what he wants to do to invest in the kid's life. And I thought, man, isn't that awesome? Isn't that awesome to say, I want to be deliberate about this? Now, you might be sitting here thinking, Pastor, you're just giving me another thing I can fail at. Uh, great to decide to do that. But what I am saying is this, okay? We put, and this is not preaching against any of these things, we put incredible emphasis on, for example, education. Our kids got to have a good education. Kids got to have a good, got to have the sports. Got to have their, their health. These are the things that are important. And where's the spiritual emphasis fit in? And we'll have a deliberate plan for some of these other areas, but as far as the, our, spirit, our own spirituality or anybody else's, that's kind of if we have time. And we got to change that. David said, I'm not going to rest until this is the priority, until spiritual life is crucial. Uh, many of you know I was a teacher for a long time. The last 12 years that I was a teacher, I was the Bible teacher. Okay, up till that time, they kind of had me doing a little bit of everything, but then I became the Bible teacher. Okay, now uh, it's kind of interesting. The school that I was teaching at went through a program uh, seeking accreditation, and it was a ton of work. I mean, it was, it was a massive amount of work that every teacher had to do. Every teacher except me. Um, and, uh, but here's the thing about it is the accreditation organization, which was a Christian accreditation organization, wasn't as concerned about what was going on in the Bible class. So I had it easy. Found the same thing with parents all the time. Well, this is just Bible, his Bible grade. <laughs> I'd hear things like that all the time. And I'm just, I'm not trying to minimize anything else, but I am trying to maximize our spiritual life and just say, hey, we have got to realize that this is job one. David cries out and he says, the first thing I want to do, I want to get this thing turned around. We haven't been worshiping God. We haven't been following God. I'm going to not going to rest until God, your home, until you, the ark, have a home. Uh, this is what I want to have. I want to build you a temple. I want you to have a place here in Zion. This is my priority, and job one today, I hope as we consider this, we see that passion that he has. However, as we look at that, it can be the type of thing where we're thinking, okay, great, Pastor, you gave me another thing that I feel like I'm going to, you know, fail at or whatever like that. And what I want to push us towards is this 
weird idea here. Is this an oxymoron? Is this some type of moron? I don't know what it is. Uh, but I want us to, as we look at the two vows in this 132 Psalms, David's vow, his promise to God, and then God turns around and says, I'm going to promise you this. And that's uh, the, the, called the Davidic Covenant. It is found in 2 Samuel uh, chapter 7. I'm going to encourage the small groups to look at that this week uh, and see that. But I want to kind of see how these two ideas work together or they play into our life. Because David is saying, I'm not going to sleep. I'm not going to rest. Now, here is the least encouraging statement you'll hear all day. Ready? We're trying to accomplish something we never will. <laughs> Isn't that encouraging? Okay, well, I give up then. Uh, good, encouraging message. David is heart set on building a temple for God. Okay, he doesn't get to do that. And again, we read in Samuel and we see that story, and God tells him why he's not going to have him do that, and then he makes another covenant with him. We'll look at that in a minute. But understand this, what David really wanted to accomplish he never completely got to accomplish. And sometimes that is where we are. I mean, he found the ark. He brought the ark to a place, but he didn't get to finish it. And not everything in our hearts that we desire to do is ever going to be completely accomplished. So that's a terrible thing to say, but think about it. We have a word for it. It's called the midlife crisis. <laughs> oh, no. Um, we had, uh, uh, this week, I had, a, I had my seventh or eighth midlife crisis. Um, I, I don't know how many I've had, but, but actually, um, I have a, a friend. He, he's not a, a super close friend to me. We, we have mutual friends that we're super close with. Uh, pastor in Jackson, Michigan. His name is Ken Pierpont. Uh, and uh, Ken and Ken had led my good friend to the Lord, and Ken and I had done that man's funeral together uh, a number of years ago. Uh, last Sunday, Ken preached at his church there in Jackson, Michigan. Uh, yesterday, uh, I didn't get to go, but I watched his funeral online uh, in Jackson, Michigan. He had a heart attack last Sunday night. Uh, Ken's my age. Um, and pastor, and you know something, you know, you just saw my name, my age pastor. Okay, uh, bye bye. Uh, but uh, but but you know, again, another midlife crisis we're going to have here, and and uh, and think, okay, you just to realize the uh, the frailty of this life, realize that what can be the brevity of this life, and everything like that, and you kind of weigh it, and you realize, hey, you know, wait a minute, maybe I am never going to get to accomplish everything that I want to in life. In fact. Okay, if I think about for a minute the covenants that I've made in my life. Now, stay with me on this for a second. I don't know if this first part is, is even good thinking. I was in a church one time where I joined a small group, and shortly into my time there, they said, hey, we have a covenant that we want you to sign for the small group. Enter into a covenant with your small group. And I didn't want to do it. In fact, I didn't do it. I, I'm not, that's not, all right, nobody ever. Uh, don't even join a small group. No, I'm not saying that at all. I stayed in a small group, and I joined it, but the word covenant was a little heavy for me. I was like, you know, I have a covenant with God. I have a covenant with my wife. I don't know that I'm ready to make a covenant with this group of people I've been with for a few weeks. And I was just wasn't really ready to sign the little covenant paper. Uh, back in uh, uh, when I was 15 years old, I said to God, God, it is my desire to live my life for you. I got baptized. I entered into a covenant. God, it is my desire to have you be Lord of my life. I want to live for you. Then uh, when I was 22, I entered another covenant, and I said, Francis, I promise you that I will uh, love you as Christ loved the church. I entered into that covenant. Uh, a little bit later, our church has something they called the Hannah Covenant, and you would dedicate your children, and we've done that here and probably need to do it again pretty soon. But um, the, uh, where you, you say, hey, this is 
uh, like Hannah in the Bible, gave her children back to God, said they're a gift from God. I want to give them back to you. I want to raise them for you. I entered into that covenant regarding my kids at that time. Those are the only, only covenants I've ever entered into. God, I want to live for you and have you be Lord of my life. Uh, Francis, I want to love you as Christ loved the church. Kids, I want to shepherd you as best I can in the direction of, of God and, and everything like that. Those are my three covenants. Ask me how I'm doing on them. Thank you. <laughs> Some days, <laughs> that's kind of a, explain it to her later. Uh, but uh, the, uh, but uh, do, you, do you know, uh, some days good, not all the time. Have I completely kept those covenants that I made to God? No. I mean, the best I can say a lot of times is, hey, I am still a work in progress. You know, I'm working on it, and I'm doing uh, pretty well. You know, we were singing that God has, has uh, started something that uh, he is going to finish, and that's where I'm in. I'm in the middle of that. But I realize that I am never going to be all that I want to be. I am never going to be all that I want to be for God. And I know that doesn't sound all that, that encouraging, but stay with me here. So it, with that, there's no wonder that we often are burned out. How do I keep from destroying myself while trying to accomplish something that I realize that I'm just never going to? Uh, I was watching an old movie this past week. Uh, some of you remember The Fugitive with uh, Harrison Ford and Tommy Lee Jones. I love Tommy Lee Jones as an actor. But um, he... Uh, you know, he's chased Harrison Ford all through the movie, and at the end, they finally have the closing scene, and, and Tommy Lee Jones looks at him and says, Richard, Richard Kimball, it's over, Richard, and I am so glad because you know I'm tired. <laughs> I just thought, yeah, hey, no, I'm tired, and sometimes it's just like, hey, we're tired. All these things that we're striving to do that we want to, and maybe, you know, even in areas other than our spiritual life, we just find that, you know, we're, we're striving to make money. We're never going to there's always more money to make. We're striving to have uh, more fame. There's always more of that to have. No, you know, no matter what your goals are, it's like, hey, this is never going to be accomplished. And I find that even in my spiritual life. I am never going to be all that I want to be, all that I hope to be this side of heaven. And I realize that. I get that. And here is David. He has made a vow to God. Does he completely fulfill it? No. He does not get the chance to do it. But let us turn it around or let's let God flip the script because there, I believe, in verse number 11 is where he begins to turn it around and he says, the Lord has sworn this to you. Here's the oath that I am going to make to you. Uh, let's flip it around. We'll call it playing the long game. But basically, I want to learn to trust in his promises to me more than my promises to him. Okay, you got that? Okay, I want to trust in what he has said. So what are his promises to David? One does involve the idea that his son Solomon would get to build this house. But more than that, if you remember in, the, in Psalm 132, it talks about forever and ever sitting on the throne. Who is that talking about, folks? Jesus. If you've ever opened to the book of Matthew and start, I'm going to read the New Testament, I'm going to go through there, it starts with all these gene genealogies. You know, so-and-so begat so-and-so begat so-and-so begat so-and-so. And you might look at that and say, huh? The whole reason for that in there, there's a genealogy for both Joseph and for Mary because both of them were descendants of David. Because God wanted to show you that this was him fulfilling his promise that a descendant of David would reign forever, that being Jesus Christ. 
But I'm saying play the long game because it is that idea of this is forever. And a lot of times, you know, we sacrifice uh, or we're unwilling to sacrifice things short term uh, to understand that God has something great in mind. I am far from an investment specialist. I defer to several folks in the church that I know are, are pretty good at that. But I do know that, uh, you know, most wise investment counseling says, no, you don't want to jump in and out of investments and everything like that uh, and try to hit them while they're hot and everything like that. That's not generally the way to go. The way to go is get into it for long term. Get in there and and uh, and and get uh, uh, grounded in there and stable in that and stay in that. And that's what we want to do in our faith in Jesus Christ and in trusting in him, realizing that in the long game, I will understand a lot of things I don't understand now. Realizing that in the long game, as Josh said, there's going to be worship in heaven and I get to be a part of that. Uh, and, uh, and, and get, get to that, uh, idea. So, what we find as we look at his promises to David is our hope is in his accomplishments, not in ours. Our accomplishments lead to exhaustion, and they lead to us being restless because we're never going to accomplish everything we want to. They lead to us being tired, and the best case we'll say that we are a work in progress. His accomplishments can be summed up in three words from the cross. It is finished. What he has done is complete. He has purchased our salvation. There is nothing more that needs to be done to pay the price for sin. He finished it. And he has promised to continue the work in us. Again, this is one of the songs we sang. He's promised to continue that work in us, to finish what he has started. So are we trying to find rest in what I do, or am I trying to find rest in what he has done? Am I focused more on trying, or am I focused more on trusting? And folks, this, this is at the very core of everything about our relationship with the God. If we are trying harder constantly, and, and I'm, I repeat this a lot because I hear this so often with this idea of, am I good enough? And I have to, I want to scream, no, you're not good enough. That's why we trust. Okay? No, you are not. The God, law, law of God is perfect. It's perfect. You're not perfect. Well, I'm trying my best. Great. I'm happy for you. Let's go back to what David uh, did at the beginning. He made this vow, and he went after it, and that's what I want you to do. But understand in the meantime, this is why I said we want to be restlessly rest resting. Yes, I want to strive. Yes, I want to push forward. Yes, I want to have some goals. Yes, I want to emphasize the spiritual and, and have some specific things that I'm doing. But bottom line is I have to be resting in what he's already done, not in what I'm trying to do, or I'm going to be a mess. I'm going to you know, be banging my head against the wall and realize, hey, this is what I wanted to do for God, and I just keep failing. I just keep coming up short, and many times that's the struggle that we face. God will finish things. And what he wants to call us to then is a life where we're living with a spirit of freedom and gratitude. Now, I want you to think about this here for a second. You have nothing left to prove to God. Digest that for a second. You have nothing that you have to prove to God. Okay, because your standing in him is not based on anything you do. It's based on what Jesus has done. There's nothing you need to do. But I want you to think about how freeing that statement is. Um, my athletic ability, which was never at the top of the charts, has waned. 
<laughs> okay, I'm old. Uh, but, uh, you know, I remember the time when my teenage son all of a sudden could beat me at basketball. It was a very hard day in my life. Uh, it, it was, it was kind of tough. Uh, Travis is my height, but his arms are like four feet longer than mine. He, he really, I don't know how he keeps, you know, from dragging them. Uh, but, uh, and he would just smother me on defense and, and, uh, I never enjoyed uh, playing with him anymore. And I pretty much, you know, it used to be, you know, whenever the family was together, dad was the number one draft pick. <laughs> and I just kept moving on down the list. Pretty much Mr. Irrelevant at this point. Uh, but a couple years ago, my son-in-law took up golf for the first time for the first time. Yeah. Uh, and I've played some golf. I don't play a lot of golf, I, uh, but I've played enough golf that I can, you know, I know what to do and everything like that. And I thought this is my chance. Drew, let's go golfing. I can beat him at something. This is great. That stink. Anyway, uh, he is he is a quick learner. Let's just say it like that. Uh, and it was kind of amazing. So I went out there and I watched him tee off in the first hole. And, you know, it was one of his Happy Gilmore, you know, whoa. Uh, it was taken off, and I was like, uh-oh, I'm in trouble. Uh, and right away, I started to push. I thought this is, you know, the pride came in there, and it's my only chance to beat this kid at anything. Uh, my, my son-in-law, you know, so ask me how I played that day. Worst ever. Uh, I kept pushing, and every time, oh, I got to make this shot, or he's, you know, he's three strikes ahead of me on the second hole, you know, uh, and I pushed, and I pushed, and I just stunk so badly because I was trying to prove something, okay? Have you ever had a situation in your life, maybe, and I'm not trying to bring up hard wounds or anything like that, but maybe it's with a parent that you feel like I can never satisfy, and you go through life trying to prove yourself to somebody. It's not a very nice way to live, is it? I want to tell one other quick story about that. I have a, a good friend that um, grew up in a church and went off to study to become a youth pastor, had been a youth pastor in the South somewhere, and he got the opportunity to come back to his home church and be a youth pastor. And he was so excited, and he came in, and it was somewhat disastrous. Some of it was probably his fault. I don't know, but some of it was probably just the where the church was at that time, and he flopped. He didn't do very well. And his pastor, who he had grown, grown up with and he wanted to prove himself to so much, sat him down and said, uh, whatever you do from here, he said, let's you need to get out of the ministry. You shouldn't be in the ministry. And this, it hit that kid so hard, but he made up his mind. He said, I'm going to prove him, I'm going to prove him wrong. And he did. He went off and he, he pastored a couple other places to, to great success. And that's right. But, but I don't want you to miss this. And these are his words, not mine. I was a great success to the demise of my family. I was driven I was driven. I had to prove this guy wrong. I had to prove to this guy that I was enough. I had to prove that I could do what he said I couldn't do. And he was driven in that way, and he did it uh, to the demise of his own family. And when we, we are living like that, okay, I, I hope you're catching what I'm saying. As I read this song, and I, I, I saw this idea that David made this vow to God, and I realized David didn't completely... Uh, keep his vow to God. He, di he didn't at all. And I thought about myself and how many times I've said, God, I'm going to do better at this and stuff like that. And sometimes I don't make it through the end of the day, uh, you know, with that commitment. And I, and I connected with that. And I thought, well, how do I go on? How do I keep going? How do I keep pressing forward? I do so by not trusting in my, in, in my 
my promises to him, but trusting in his promises to me and learning to do that more and more. That's why when we sang a song, uh, you know, right before uh, the, the message, I thought, man, how awesome, you know, that, that we're just singing about that trusting in him because that's how we're going to glorify him. That's how we're going to grow in that. Should we try harder? For sure. I'm not saying we don't try, but if, if our uh, worth is found in our effort and in our success, we're messed up. Okay, we want to learn more and more to trust. I went down and uh, ripped down this sign here. And so this is our sign that points to the door there. It's upward season, so it gets knocked down at least twice a week. Uh, Josh has put it back up. It's either a kid playing with a basketball or jumping up, seeing how high he can smack it. So, Josh, you have to put this up again, by the way. Uh, but I, I took it down, and it's hanging on the doorway there. You see this word here, um, this first word, worship? When we come in here to worship, when you see that word, and just think about what it would mean for a second with me, would it loan us to think or, or lead us to think that we ought to come in here for what we can get or what we can give? You ever think about that? I mean, most people come to say, hey, what can I get out of it? I didn't get much out of that today. Uh, I get stuff like that. That's where our focus is a lot of times. But really, what we want to do is focus on what we can give my offering of praise to him, my thanks to him. And I'm going to encourage you very strongly today to give something specific to God. And what I mean by that is, you know, we talked about this idea of a covenant and saying, or, you know, a promise to God and saying, God, this is what I was trying to do. I want to prioritize spiritual life. And I want to strongly challenge you today to offer that as a gift to God. God, here is what I'm going to do. Here, with your help, God, I'm asking you, God, I want to walk closer to you. I want to know you better. I want to strive for that. Lord, maybe I messed up on this a number of times, but I, here I am again, God, and I need you. Here I am again, God. I got I to gotta have your strength. I got to have your help. I want to encourage you this day, even right now as I'm talking, to say, God, what is that step that you would have me commit to? But I would never want to do that without reminding you of everything else that we've talked about. Okay, and that is that our relationship with him is not going to be ever be based on your ability to keep your promises. Our relationship to him, don't miss it, folks, is based completely on his ability to keep his promises. His ability to say, I have purchased your forgiveness of sin. It's settled. Trust in me for forgiveness of sin. And that's a done deal, folks. It's done. It is finished. That work's been completed. There's nothing you can add to it. There's nothing more you can do. Trust in my completed work. And now, would you trust in me? Listen, forever and ever, we, we have that in our future. Forever and ever. And right now, when the, okay, let, let's go back for just a second here. The promise came to David. But how long, think about this, how long until David got to see that? Truth is, did he get to see it in, the, in his lifetime? No, he didn't get to see Jesus in his lifetime. But let me ask you this. Where's David right now? He's having a good time, I guarantee you. Okay? And if we can keep it, that's that idea of keeping our eyes on that end game of, you know, where we end up as far as that goes. So I'm going to invite uh, Adam and Patience and Barry and Hannah are going to come back up. And um, we're going to sing a, a song we sung around here uh, a good amount of times, but I think it helps us to put all this in perspective here. Uh, I love to sing it, 
When I fight, I fight on my knees. I, I love that idea because it, to me, I mean, do I want to try? Yeah. Do I want to still talk to God and say, God, here's what I want to do. Here's what I want to try. I want to promise? Yeah. I'm not sad I made a commitment to Francis. I'm not sad I made a commitment to God. I'm not mad, sad I made it to my kids. But my, I realize, again, the best I'm ever going to do is I'm a work in progress as far as that goes. But my reliance upon him and my learning to trust him. Are you, are you grabbing hold of this? I love that. I love that last phrase there, living in a spirit of gratitude and freedom. I hate the concept of having to live always trying to prove myself, okay? And what happens? Just like my golf game, it seems like I get worse all the time. That's not how we want to live. We want to live saying, God, thank you for what you have done. And it is finished. It's done. My standing in you is complete. My eternity in you is secure. What freedom comes with that? Let's celebrate that together as we sing. If you stand and join us. There's some good stuff down at the bottom of that parfait cup. Okay, and we dig down there and we see, oh, yeah, yeah, God wants me to, uh, to have a relationship with him. He wants to draw me into that, and, and, uh, and, I, want, and I want that too. And so I, I want to have a restlessness in me where, uh, God, I, I don't want to sleep. Well, I actually do want to sleep. Uh, but you know what I mean. I don't, I don't want to be satisfied ever until I know you better, until I walk with you more. I don't want I don't want. But I understand at the same time that my effort is not the key to my relationship with you. My trust in you and what you have done. Um, and I think another favorite song of Adam's that we'll sing around here is, I'm fighting a battle you've already won. And that, man, if we could take that theme with us, okay? Yeah, it's a battle. <laughs> Today's going to be a battle. Tomorrow's going to be a battle. But God, I'm fighting a battle that you've already won. And I want to fight. God, help me to fight it with everything I got. But I understand that I, my effort is not going to bring the victory. Your effort already has. Hey, I just that sounded good, didn't it? Um, somebody write that down and put it on a plaque somewhere. Uh, my effort's not making the difference. His effort is what makes the difference. Our Father, uh, we, need to, we need to learn to trust you more, Lord. Our pride draws us back all the time to trying to even live this Christian life in the energy of our, uh, of our, own, of our own self and our own flesh. And our flesh fails over and over again. Lord, may we learn more and more a life of trusting. Trying, yes, trying our best, but more than anything, trusting in you and who you've done and what you have. Lord, yeah, Lord, I, I want to pray one more thing here. Just, I pray that if there's some folks in here that you want them now to, to make, a, make a commitment, make a commitment of what they're going to do differently this week. Maybe a way they're going to shepherd their families better. Maybe a way they're going to guide themselves better into a closer, closer walk with you. Uh, Lord, I pray that you guide us to those decisions, strengthen us for the fight, and help us to again. Help us to determine we're just not going to quit. If we fall down tomorrow, Lord, uh, then we'll start again on Tuesday. And if we fall down then, Lord, may we start again the next day and just continue to realize that the most important thing in our life is this relationship with our Heavenly Father. Thank you for the ultimate victory that that brings. In your name, amen. You've been listening to Pastor Dan Thomas of Community Church in Edwardsburg. For more information about the church, you can visit our website, edwardsburg.church. You may also contact the church via email, info at edwardsburg.church.
or call us at 269-663-2648. Thank you for listening.